Welcome to another episode of Fermented Faith, a special episode where we're going to talk about one of the most common things about everyday life and the impact that the gospel has on it. I'm excited to have this conversation. I have a very special guest to join me for this conversation. I'm Jordan Bird, and with me is my lovely wife, Riley. What's up, babe? Hi. Just us. Just us. In our basement. That's right. Hanging out. (laughs) And talk about sex. Like we do every night. Yeah. <laughs> We're just letting everybody in on our conversations, right? Yeah. No, it won't be that weird, I promise. But, uh, yeah, so we, we kicked Anthony out. Well, Anthony's he's still, still, still on suspension. Suspended, yes. And due to the content of the podcast, which is rated M for mature, we have Neil <laughs> sitting in the hallway playing on his iPad. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's a funny picture. Um, we're joking. Those guys, um, are, are great. Uh, but we are going to just sort of take over for about three episodes here and, uh, talk about taking back sex. Uh, so the content is going to be on the more, the mature side. Um, I would suggest, uh, not listening with your kids until you listen first. Um, I, I think it probably will be helpful for many teenagers, but you should make that judgment call after you've listened to it. So, if you need to make those adjustments, go ahead and do that now. But we're calling it Taking Back Sex because sex is God's idea. And in theory, and, and I'd say even in truth, like Christians should be having not only, you know, the most sex, but the best sex. But unfortunately, I don't know that that's, that's true. The world has flipped it on us. And um, a lot of times marriage is where sex stops happening and and media and everywhere else, it's man, fornication is is glorified, and there's this idea of hookup culture, and that's what's portrayed as kind of hot and steamy, and you know, whatever. And then, you know, marriage is portrayed as sexless, and you got you got men begging for it, and the women always have headaches, and that's sort of how. Um, you know, the media portrays things. So it, it was God's idea to be enjoyed within marriage. However, it, our culture has become obsessed with it. I don't think that's super new. It's just uh, the, tech, the technology has made things ramp up at a level that I think is, is very new and concerning. Uh, but the problem becomes when the church doesn't talk about it, um, that that's whenever this whole good gift from God gets hijacked by the culture because the church doesn't talk about it enough which leads to people not knowing how to handle it. And then we end up missing out. And people, right. Yeah. So we yeah. And we've seen a lot of this doing our, doing like um, premarital counseling, um, marital counseling yeah. with couples. Like a common, a common thing that we see is, and we haven't been doing this a super long time. But, no, but I mean, we've been married 12 years and we've been doing ministry ever since and we've done a lot of weddings. It's true. Because we've married a lot of friends and yeah. family and, yeah. and we always do premarital with any wedding. And so right. this always gets talked about. And Yeah, and so like what we're seeing, especially, so in like the, the couples that are coming from this, uh, you know, church culture, they, they're coming from, it's very rare to have a couple who is coming into marriage having a healthy view of sexuality and yeah. sex and, and even knowledge of it sometimes. That's right. 
and or they're, they're coming into it with all of these issues that we're going to talk about here and having no idea how to handle it, which in, which leads to yeah. the issues that we're seeing in married couples right. coming and uh, talking to us about these issues that mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that they've been dealing with for years and have no idea how to correct it. Yeah, and, and there's so there's a lot of dynamics. We're going to talk about porn as, as one of the primary factors here and the damage that it has done on on you know sex yeah. within marriage. And porn being not just you know not just hardcore hardcore video, right. yes. But you know when we talk about porn, we're talking about like those just over sexualized images. Commercials, yeah. you know, it's the image-based culture where skin is, yeah, skin yes. cells, sex cells, everything sensual. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so we're going to talk about that as as one of the primary issues. But, but you're right. Just just a lack of of knowledge, like because I think the church again, I, I you know, that's the area we have influence over, and so as we'll talk about primarily, there's there's plenty of blame to go around. But I think the church does a huge disservice when we don't talk about this, because our kids and our people are being informed about sex, one way or another, um, and if we don't control that narrative and we don't teach them God's way for that, then it's it's going to get distorted, twisted, and and yeah. So what we have is a lot of times they. We have these couples, they don't know, like you said, they don't even know like kind of how to approach it. And some of them have even, it's pretty common for for young people to admit that they've turned to porn to to learn, like to actually educate themselves, like because, because unfortunately mom and dad and, Mm -hmm. you know, and and really it should, that's where it really should be. It should be moms and dads. The church has a role to biblically instruct and the Bible does have plenty to say about sex. And so that's the pastor's role um, for sure uh, to equip parents to do that but it, but it ultimately is on the parents but it's un- so common that that people are just not equipped and so yeah this whole deal this whole very good gift that God has given us has been hijacked and um, we're missing out and so we want to we want to work on that so we're here to have the sex talk that your parents never had with you <laughs> welcome welcome to uh, <laughs> sex talk with Riley and Jordan no um, we are we're gonna uh, we're we're gonna spend about three episodes so we're gonna talk today about the impact primarily of porn and, and how that plays into um, marriage, how it negatively affects um, God's good gift of sex. Um, but then next, next episode, we're going to talk about sex within marriage and how the same power that you know, this sexual experience has when it's distorted to really bring damage has the same, like that same power actually can be used where God intended for it to be used in marriage to bring healing and to bring a life of, of blessing and pleasure and flourishing that, that God blesses and is really good. So that'll be second episode. We'll get into some, uh, some practical things. We'll talk about our story. We'll, we'll share some, you know, we'll just talk about how to have a good sex life really and how to um, really use the power of sex to, to toward your good in marriage and how it can kind of diffuse some of the, the negative impacts of uh, porn culture and different things. And so, and then we'll do another one where we're just going to answer your questions. So, uh, we'll we'll get into really practical things, and you can ask us anything. And your questions can be anonymous. You don't. We won't say that you know so and so asked this, unless you want us to. You can tell us that, and we will. 
Uh, so yeah, we'll spend a third episode just at, taking your questions. So uh, if you have them, you can go ahead and fire them off at info at Fermented Faith, or you can just ask us if you see us at church or text us or whatever. Uh, we are not bashful. Um, we will. We won't be. Um, we're not going to be rude and explicit if you know just for the sake of it. But we will be honest, and so uh, that's the plan. We'll spend three episodes talking about taking back sex, and so. Today, what we're primarily going to talk about, I think, because if we're truly going to take back sex, we have to address this issue of pornography because it's huge, it's rampant, and even if somebody, like you said, even if somebody's not watching hardcore video sex, they're, they're I mean, and it's all talk about they in a minute. They can find like, images. Yeah, it's yep. easy. Like, I think John Piper said one time, like, it's easier to access porn than it is to, to get up and make a sandwich. Right, like it's just it's on our phones, it's at our fingertips, it's in, and it's thousands and millions of images, and um, and the the effects are far reaching and not talked about enough. And so, um, and and part of the reason, you know, we don't claim to be experts here, but we do have our own story uh, of brokenness uh, around this very issue, and um, and God has done a, a great work in us, and it was a struggle. It was a struggle for lots of years, and. Um, but but man, we're in a good place. We're in, we're in, we've seen so much growth and, and healing in this area. And what we realized, we'll talk about in a, a bit, is that there's actually some uh, some practical things that I think we can speed that process up for others. And so we're excited to, to sort of share that. So our story was that that I was, um, you know, I was saved um, right before I went into high school, and but I had been. Um, addicted to masturbation and porn long before that. I was actually sexualized by an older cousin uh, growing up. And so uh, for me, it had been um, a long struggle even before I knew it was wrong. And then when I found out, oh, this is wrong and I'm I'm supposed to do this because I'm supposed to honor the Lord. It was a struggle that I fought long before, um, you know, I met you and long before marriage and, and one that I thought that marriage would fix. Right. And I think that's a, that we hear that comment. We, We hear that often is young men struggling with porn addiction. And what they tell, you know, what we tell ourselves is, well, I'm just doing this because I have this urge and I don't have an outlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since I don't have an outlet, I'm trying to honor the Lord and not have sex before I'm married. And so this is, this is the the only way I can do it. And, it, and it's, it's difficult to stop. It becomes, it, it is very addictive actually. Um, and so that was me. That was, uh, I struggled with that for years and, and really, you know, didn't ever, I never had long lasting victory. And I thought that, that getting married would fix it and it didn't. And I remember having to tell you that, um, a few weeks into our, our, our wedding or after our wedding that, uh, that I'd still struggled and, um, it crushed you and it devastated me. I hated it. And for you, it felt, I mean, maybe you can just share what it, what it felt like, but I mean, I think for you, it felt like I was doing that because I did, I wasn't satisfied with you. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yep. That's fair to say for sure. But for me, that wasn't, that wasn't, I was just trying desperately to explain to you that that wasn't true, uh, that I didn't turn back to those things, you know, back to porn because I wasn't satisfied with our marriage or with your body or anything like that. In fact, it was just hard for me to explain why I did it all. And because it felt like an addiction. Now saying that it is an addiction feels like a cop out because it's not a substance, Right. And it doesn't generally have that that same credibility in that world of like, oh, they're actually addicted and, it, you know, something that, that they, they really can't stop or, or, or whatever. 
And so you just don't know how to talk about it. And that was us. And so it devastated you. I continued to struggle less, but I still continued to struggle. But I didn't feel like I could keep talking to you about it because it crushed you. And so I was back to hiding. And though our sex life wasn't bad, it wasn't great for a, a while. And I continued to, to seek repentance. And I mean, I, I tried. I read every book you know, on the subject. I put in every form of discipline, every you know, accountability partners and software and everything that I could. Which just had. goes to show today's technology and how easily accessible it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a horrible struggle. And so um, we, I got counseling um, and realized that that struggle was related to some of the things that had happened to me as a kid and, and dealt with that. And that helped a lot. And uh, God did a lot of, of healing there and, and brought me a lot of victory. But there were still there were still moments of struggle, and um, it really wasn't until you you walked in on on me, um, you know, watching a movie, and um, and it was a horrible day, um, horrible horrible day that um, was a turning point that I'm grateful for now, but was the most humiliating and dark day that I'd had prior to that, and um, and, and from there, man. I, the the Lord really did bring healing, and it was a long, messy process of of us having to have honest conversations, and me a lot of times feeling like I was being treated like a child because you know I, you wouldn't leave me alone, and rightfully so. And but I had to be honest about my temptations and my struggles, and um, and over time, um, you know, I, I fought that those temptations hard, and then over time, we ended up actually you know engaging, our, you know, our sex life became proactive. And we got a f- couple years down the road, and it was like, oh, the, like I'm actually healed here. Like the Lord has, has has done a work in us, in me in particular, and in us. And there was a season where I didn't really think that was truly possible. I thought that this would always be a struggle that I just had to white knuckle. That that lusting um, would would be just a part of my life, uh, but I would have to fight it and choose to turn to you and. It just felt impossible. Um, and when I hear guys talk about, you know, preachers talk about how your wife should be your standard of beauty and, and, and you know, and she should be the, the only one, you know, that you find beautiful. And, and that was like, that sounded nice and spiritual, but it didn't sound realistic to me because it's just like, well, you know, I, I, I love you and I, I know that you're beautiful, but it's like object, like there's there's always, like Proverbs talks about, like the eye's never full of its seeing, like there's always the next thing. And, um, but, but what I found is like, no, it, that actually did happen. And, and it, and, and through some things that we'll get into is like, no, like now I don't lust in the same way that I used to. When I see images, um, when I see a movie, when I see a woman that's showing too much skin, it doesn't lead to arousal anymore. It doesn't lead to me, you know, plotting and planning like I used to. It just is like, oh yeah, I'm done with that. I move on because you are what aroused me now. And, and, and so anyway, that's what we're going to get into because I think the Lord is, um, exposed some really helpful things along the way of like, oh, that's what he did. And so we sort of stumbled in, we sort of realized on the, on the back end of this, like, oh, that's what had happened. And this was in a totally different area, but in, in the world of like, okay, why the, why this is so addictive, right. And why this is such a struggle and the impact that it has and how it isn't related to not being happy with your wife's body, but it's still just a struggle. And it's not just, and we should say, we, we know that it's not just men that struggle with pornography, but it's predominantly a male problem. 
but we don't want to dismiss the, the women that are struggling with that as well. But, but it's not, you don't go, that doesn't equal that, but it's still this struggle. And so what we realize is like, oh, there, there's, there's some science to sort of explain that, but we stumbled into that yeah, indirectly. Yeah. In, yeah, in a completely, totally different context. Um, so I am the director of the Restore Network here in Williamson County, and so I work with a lot of foster families. And, um, and one of the things, one of the primary things that we do with our foster families is equipping them in trauma-informed parenting strategies and principles. And so one of the things that we use is TBRI, which is Trust-Based Relational Intervention. And um, so one of the co-founders and primary uh, teachers of TBRI is Dr. Karen Purvis. And um, we're watching a, we're in one of our parent trainings and um, I was leading it and Jordan was there attending. And so, and we're listening to um, Karen Purvis on this video talking about the brain chemistry and, um, and quoting, um, this neuropsychologist saying, you know, what fires together, wires together. And what she's, what she's talking about it, the, why she's talking about that in this context is related to children and their negative behaviors, um, and the trauma they've experienced and how, um, you know, that, uh, if they it actually have, affects their brain chemistry. It actually affects their brain chemistry, right. And so, um, like, the neuropathways and circuits that occur with synapses of neurons in the brain. And so, like, the more this connection is repeated, the stronger it becomes. So an example of that would be, like, um, a child who is raised in a neglective environment. Uh, they What they learn, a tool they learn to survive is maybe acting out or throwing a fit in order to get some food or attention. You know, I throw a fit, somebody throws me yeah. a burger, or they throw me a, something, whatever, right. some kind of food. And so so then, like, that that wires together for them. That be, And so the more that that need is met through that behavior, the harder, the stronger that wiring becomes in their brain. This is not, like, a logical thing. This is, like, a... Lower brain, like almost survival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so, um, and so, and what we'll talk about in the next podcast is is the correcting of that, which is yeah. what we teach in TBRI is how to how to take that brain that's been wired incorrectly and rewire it yeah. correctly. And so, we're hearing this teaching and realizing like that's exactly what God had done that, you know, because what we had, the way that your brain was operating was, you know, what fires together, wires together. So what you, you were maybe quite literally firing to, (laughs) uh, (laughs) you know, like images. And so, (laughs) and then that's like wiring together. And so that became this like natural, yeah. That became related and tied together, yeah. you know, is like that feeling, though that arousal to the screen. Yep. These images, whatever. And so, um, and that's what we're seeing a lot of in our men, yeah. primarily, women mm-hmm. too, but um is that it's and that's you know, that's just part of where you see um, 
it becoming an addiction. It's yeah. it's a ridic- it's an addiction and maybe even like a reactive yeah. like instinct. Yeah, it has the same actual tendency. It, it, the same things that are happening when someone gets addicted to a, a drug, for example, the, those same sorts of things are going on in the brain. Right. When, I mean, because that's a pleasure sensor primarily. And so dopamine is being released. Yes. Um, when you, you know, and, and so actually there, there was there was one article that, that talked about how in some ways sex is, is actually doubly um, addictive. It can be, um, actually should be, doubly powerful and good which we're going to talk about in the next episode mm-hmm. but but on the distorted side because you know there's there's drugs that are that are stimulants and and they're releasing that dopamine that feel good which which tells your brain like that that was pleasurable you should try to get more of that right and so right. you just program that way and it creates this and so you know in those kiddos it creates like this rut in their brain yes. or like uh you know i think karen purvis compares it to like a like a cow path like mm-hmm cows all follow the same path and over time that gets rutted out into this trail. Yeah, this path is going to lead me to water and so I'm going to go down this path every time and I'm going to get that water. And so those same sorts of things happen in our brain where it's connected and and so um, so sex not only does the dopamine thing um, but you know you have other drugs that are the downers that sort of provide this release of, of like satisfying like you know calm whatever well you have both in sex you have this intense pleasure firing and the dopamine is there and and then you also have this satisfying release of endorphins that that you know that is and so in some ways it's like it has both of those those effects so it really is an addictive situation when it gets distorted yeah and then you have the third part of that which is oxytocin yeah which is fascinating it is. And oxytocin is known as the bonding chemical or the bonding hormone. Yeah. And that is the same thing that's released when a mother is nursing her newborn baby. Yeah. Because and making forming that attachment, forming that bond. That's also released during orgasm. And yeah. so so when God talks about the two become one, right. like that is more than physical. It's more than physical. Yeah. You're bonding to that person, you're attaching yeah. to that person. And so if you if this is happening, if this, if all of these chemicals are being released, when you're looking at a screen or you're looking mm. at images, then you're not even realizing it. But your 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 brain and your body are being kind of tied to these images. Yep. Yeah. So here you have this good design. So 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 God says in uh, in Proverbs, like this is what He wants for us, and I think this is. Um, I'm going to read a little bit more of this passage. I'm primarily talking about the part that says, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Um, let her breast fill you at all times with delight and be intoxicated always in her love. So that's what, primarily what I'm talking about. But I'm going to read the broader because I think there's actually a warning here about sexual morality and, uh, and porn falls into that. And so this is Proverbs 5, starting in verse 15. It says, drink water from your own cistern. So this is a father talking to his son about sexual immorality in particular. Drink water from your own cistern. Flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad? Streams of water in the streets? I mean, that, that's, a, that's a compelling image. Long before pornography was a thing, sexuality was rampant. And he's saying, like, sh- should your sexuality just be spread all over? You know, streams of water in the, in the streets. That, like, that's no way. Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. 
So keep the marriage bed holy and pure is basically saying. And then verse 18, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely dear, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with, like, just be okay and, you know, deal with it and, and hope. No, it says let them fill you with delight and be, like, okay and, and tolerate her love. No, be intoxicated always in her, in, in her love. Like, that's what God wants for us. He says, why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman in an embrace of a bosom, uh, the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are, are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the, wick, of the wicked ensnare him. There's a lot of men, a lot of women, that, a lot of people are ensnared by sexual immorality. Like, it is not. Our, our, our culture flies this flag of freedom and progressiveness, and we're, we've broken the chains of traditional uh, repressive rules about sexuality, and it needs to be with a with a heterosexual spouse. And those, like, no, we've we've broken off those chains in the name of freedom, and you can you have whatever. No, no, that leads to slavery. And, and this verse says it: the iniquities of of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he's led astray. Mm-hmm. That's, that's Proverbs written thousands of years ago. Yeah, and that reminds me. So, like in that, where it says he has held fast to what'd you say? Uh, he is held fast in the cords of his sin. Yeah, so he's held fast in the cord. That reminds me of. Where's that other scripture where it talks about like hold fast to your wife? Oh yeah, uh, hold Ephesians fast. Five. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's this perfect. Like, well, it's Genesis two twenty four, and then it's quoted again in Ephesians five. Yeah, yeah. and so it's this perfect contrast of like he's told you hold fast to your wife. The two should become one, and that's right after yes, the two should and become the two one. Should flesh. become one. Yeah. Hold fast to your wife, and so that, then that just made me think like you're yeah. saying that that's what he, it's supposed to he be. He held fast. Yeah. He's held fast to his sin. Like. Yeah. Don't do that. Hold fast to your wife. Yeah. Yeah. So so that that's what God has for us, right? So Genesis from the very beginning, he, he made them, Genesis two, and 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 they're naked and they're unashamed, and God says it's good. It's very good. So God's not embarrassed by sex. It's his idea. He blessed it, blessed the marriage bed, told him to be fruitful and multiply. He didn't have to make reproduction pleasurable, but he did. He did. He chose to make, he put the nerve endings where they are. He made the anatomy fit the way that it does and work. Like, that's all him. And so we shouldn't be ashamed of this. We shouldn't not talk about it as a church. We don't have to be, you know, you know, vulgar, and, but we should talk about God's goodness and his design for sexuality. And then there's a whole book, Song of Solomon, that is a, 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 basically an erotic, you know, poem songbook, you know, of, of a man and a woman writing to one another. And it's, and it's beautiful. And some people want to say it's just purely allegorical of Christ and the church. If that's true, that's uncomfortable. Like, because there's some really explicit, you know, language in there that I'm like, I don't, I don't know that I'm okay with that being about Christ and the church like that. If so, that's a little bit weird. And so it is like God, this is God's deal. It's good. So that's his design. And then what happens in, in this, when we, like you said, these things, these powerful chemicals are released because they're made to bond a husband and wife, to consummate this covenant marriage. 
and to be this beautiful gift, but also this tool that is used to bond mm-hmm. and, and bring together. That's how he made it. When it gets distorted and gets attached to these other things, it has still has a powerful effect, but a really negative one. Yes. And so, yeah, that's what we have is these, we have, we have men that, and, and women, but uh, we have a lot of people that are addicted to images and a screen. And, and so that, that, you know, that's what happened. So, um, one of the most telling, um, examples of this is John Mayer. And so it's too often there's guys that, um, you know, believe the lie that, well, if my wife, you know, she just don't look quite like she used to, or if my wife looked like that, then I'd be satisfied for filling the blank. And, and, and we, we begin to believe these lies that, well, that's, that's what would be satisfying. And if I had that man, I'd be happy. Okay. This is a screaming example of that. Just not, that's, that's not true. That's not how it works. Um, so John Mayer, if you don't know him is, is a musician, and he's dated what the world would call some of the most beautiful women. Like, have literally made those lists of, of sexiest women alive and so on and so forth. Women like Jennifer Aniston, Taylor Swift, and uh, and Jessica Simpson was actually the one that he was dating when he made these comments uh, in an interview with Playboy magazine where he was talking uh, about pornography. And basically, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, but um, it basically said that he prefers internet pornography over an actual sexual encounter. And again, th- this is a guy that, that has been with what the culture would say are some of the most beautiful women. And, and he talks about actually how it's, it's changed um, the relationship. And, and so he, he, he says um, the Internet, DVR, Netflix, Twitter, all these things are, are moments in time throughout your day when you're able to soothe yourself is what he says. We have an autonomy of comfort and pleasure. By the way, pornography, it's a new synaptic pathway. You wake up in the morning, open a thumbnail page, and it leads you to Pandora's box of visuals. There have probably been days when I saw 300 naked women before I got out of bed. And the, per- the interviewer says, well, what's, what's your point about porn and relationships? And he says, well, internet pornography has absolutely changed my generation's expectations. How could you be constantly synthesizing an orgasm based on dozens of shots? You're looking for that one photo of 100 that you swear is going to be the one that you you know, finish to and you still don't. And, and there's just this ongoing thing of, of always looking for the for the next photo. And the interviewer says, well, how does that not affect the psychology? Or he says, how does that not affect the psychology of having a relationship with somebody? It has to. Um, and the interviewer says, well, you seem very fond of pornography. He says, well, when I watch porn, you know, I even make up more stories in my mind if it's not hot enough. And um, and the, the guy says, masturbation for you is as good as sex? And Mayer says, absolutely. Because during sex, I'm just running I'm just going to run a film strip. I'm still masturbating. That's what you do when you're 30, 31, 32. This is my problem now. Rather than to meet somebody new, I would rather go home and replay amazing experiences I've already had. Openly says these things. That's, and, and unfortunately, we have that. We have a lot of men that, that, that believe that. Uh, I, I remember I used to work with a guy that um, wanted to ogle and make a comment about every beautiful woman that walked by when I was in a retail environment at the time. And, and he would, he would get so mad and, and feel, you know, judged by when I wouldn't, when I wouldn't comment with him. And he was like, Oh, well, you know, what's it going to hurt? You know, and basically like I'm missing out. And he said to me like, well, my wife doesn't mind as long as I'm coming home to her, as long as she's the one that I'm physically with, it doesn't matter who I'm thinking about. And I thought, man, what, like, and so he thinks I'm the one that's missing out because I'm not choosing to ogle these women and imagine them naked and lust after them. 
when in reality, he's the one that's missing out because he's the one that's robbing himself of the, the intimacy and the pleasure that he's designed to have within his covenant marriage. It doesn't matter. It, it's actually not about what his wife looks like or what our, any of our, it, you know, it's, it's not about that. It's about, which we'll talk about in the next episode a lot, is like when those experiences are had with your spouse, that gets wired together. And that becomes what's arousing to you. But when you've spent years, and most kids, I mean, the, 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 the statistics and the age in which kids are exposed to sexual images and pornography is, is staggeringly low already. I think the most conservative would say the average is like 11 or 13, but there's mm-hmm. more studies that show it's closer to 8, 9, things yeah. like that. And so you've got kids that are spending years... Um, struggling with this, or maybe not even struggling, maybe just doing it, right? And watching porn, masturbating, and wiring, creating these very strong connections. And the, the, that rut, that synapse is strong mm-hmm. in it. And, and so they spend years with that. And then they try to go in and actually have a healthy marriage. It's almost impossible. That's what Mayer says. And, and that's what, exactly what John Mayer is saying. Like, it changes our expectations and our, real, our realities in... In, in in marriage and in an actual physical relationship is what he's referring to. And so this is a significant issue. So then you have men that that's what is tied together for them. That's when they've had that experience. So every time they see skin, they get aroused and they're thinking about, okay, when can I, you know, enjoy that image or whatever. And it, I, the best illustrate, and hopefully this is clear, but in my mind, here's what this looks like. Every male, every every person probably, but males are so visually stimulated. So I'm going to focus on that. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of think is their 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 sex drive is sort of like a like a like a hill, like a like a piece of ground, and it's slightly sloped, right? Like it's got a little bit of a of a of a of a runoff to it. Um, and there, so there's sexual images all over in the world, and and so if you think of that like rain, okay, so that's going to happen. Men are going to see. Um, women's bodies are going to see different parts that are going to be stimulated to them. But in a healthy world, that, that rain just falls on the ground and kind of goes in. It doesn't really make that big of an impact. And, and it just it rolls off and it, and it takes care of itself. But whenever you, attack, you start masturbating to that, you start seeking those images, that creates this intensive experience that creates this rut. And so it's like when you get a rush of rain and it all runs off in this one spot and you got this rut that's that's you know, ruins your yard. And now every bit of water goes right to that. It creates this channel that every, everything that comes in now runs right into that. And so now everything they see is running them back to this, you know, this unhealthy stream Mm -hmm. flowing in the streets, as the proverb said. Um, and, And that's the world they live in. And so you know they're they're watching everything they can and everything they they watch they're filing it away and and our memories are an incredible gift from God but man they this is a this is an area where it, it can be a, a negative that we can recall those images at any time and 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 it's destroying marriages it's just destroying what God has designed sex to be and it's a it's a shame um, and that was where that's where I was and so. Um, what we realize is, is that over time, you know, you hear a lot that the best defense is a good offense and, and there's some truth to that, but what we found is both are necessary. Uh, and not that's true in any sport, right? It's silly to say that if you're just going to play off, like you got to do both, 
You got to play anybody, anybody, any athlete would tell you, well, you got to actually do both. You got to, you got to do, you can't just play defense. You got to also score some points. You got to play offense. You can't just play offense. You got to also defend. And so things like, um, you know, software, accountability software and filters and and things like that are healthy and good. And you need to do that. I kind of liken that to, uh, building a retaining wall. Like I know that ditch is an issue. I know that I'm, you know, every, bit of sensory input is going to run to that. So I've got to block that off. Now, if that's all you do is try to starve that, then that, that's really, it can be really, really difficult to overcome. Um, and, and a quick side note, we're actually the episode after these three, we'll talk about singleness. And so we don't, we're going to talk about primarily taking back sex because we believe it's a good gift for marriage, but we don't believe it's ultimate. We don't believe that everybody, that you, that you have to have sex to be fulfilled as a human. Mm-mm. Right, Jesus, Paul, a few other examples. Right, so we will get to that, and so that's sort of a different issue um, when you when you don't. But we're we're, talk, we're focusing on. We're not saying this is the only way to have healing and this is the only way to be whole. But we're going to be talking about marriage primarily for these three weeks, and so we'll come we'll come to that later, and we'll also come to that in our we're preaching through the First Corinthians right now, and that and he's going to talk about singleness too. Um, but but just you know, just for now, like what. I think about it, it's like building that retaining walls, putting up those, putting on those, uh, you know, filters, that accountability software, things like that, having accountability partners, things you're confessing, um, bouncing your eyes. All those are good techniques, but if that's all you do, um, it won't actually reroute that water. It'll actually run under that retaining wall eventually. Like you have to dig a new channel. And that's what we're going to talk about the power of sex used in a positive way for your wife. But this, this needs some work. Like we got to pause here and, uh, and there's some work to be done for most couples. And so, um, again, we are going to talk about the, the positive side of this and how to, to bring healing. But, um, mm-hmm. you, I, I think we, we gotta, we gotta go and deal with this mess first. And, and that's going to involve some, some hard things. Um, so men, you need to confess. You need to confess to another man that you trust and love, but you also need to confess to your wife. You got to do it. Um, the, the enemy, like your pride, your flesh, the enemy are all going to try to tell you that, that that's a horrible idea. But it was only whenever I was completely and fully exposed before you that I actually turned the corner and saw true healing. Before, when I tried to manage it on my own, tried to manage it with safe confessions with men who got it and, you know, related to me, the co- the consequences just weren't high enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it was really whenever I hit that rock bottom, that that point of fully exposed in the light, that actually led um, to healing. Now it hurt for it, there was pain before there was healing, um, but that happens a lot with disease, right? Yeah, you know to heal a cancer. A lot of times you got to cut it out. That's painful. And so I, I want to encourage you, you got to, you got to confess. You, you can't hide, uh, do a mail first and get some counsel. I can be, if you're at the journey, I can be that for you. Uh, there's a there community group leaders. We can be that for you. Um, if you're in another church, find somebody, find your pastor, find a, find a small group leader, find somebody confess there first. I think that that's okay and helpful, but you do need to go to your wife. Um, you don't have to go to a mail first, but you, you you can, but you do need to go to your wife, um, and you're going to have to be honest. You're going to have to share your struggle, 
and you're going to have to be specific about how you struggle. Um, and you, you got to do this work. You got to, I mean, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And, and it also talks about confessing our sins to one another. And you're, you haven't just sinned against God in these moments. You have, and it's primarily against God, but it's affected your spouse. It's affected your wife. It's personal. And so that, that's my absolute challenge and, and encouragement to men. Not encouragement. It's a challenge. It's instruction. If 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 you're hiding, if you're struggling with this, and most, um, if not all, uh, like probably are, you gotta you gotta confess. And so that is real and raw and necessary. But I'm gonna ask you to talk to the women because, yeah. as hard as that is for us to muster up the courage to do it, yeah, it's it's more painful on the other side. So I don't know what, what yeah, for encouragement sure. you have for them, but uh, not a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say, you know, the um, just prepare yourself. You know, like, I mean, you can't really prepare yourself before he confesses because you may not, you know, he may not wrestle with that. That sure. may not, he may totally not possible. ever come and confess because it may not be an issue for him. Yeah. But, uh, but if, you know, if your husband does come to you, um, Admitting this, confessing this, just know that he's embarrassed. Um, He's guilty. He feels guilty. Um, And he's probably feeling a lot worse than you are. As bad as it hurts um, to hear that. And, And as easy as it is for us to just immediately jump to well, you just must not like the way that I look. You must prefer someone yeah. else. And and we do that as women. We all have this list of flaws that we don't like about ourselves. And so that's going to be the natural tendency is to just immediately think, well, you must like this, this, and this, which is what I don't have yeah. or what I don't like about myself. You must, you know, have found someone or an image or, you know, whatever that they have those assets that I, that I'm lacking. And which and is something that's a struggle, whether there's been confession or not, we actually didn't, right, we didn't yeah. talk about that. Well, and time, I think that's we'll probably talk about that, that yeah. more the next podcast when we're talking about proactively, you know, sure. engaging in sex. But yeah. But yeah. I mean, I talked a lot about how this affects men, but I mean, mm-hmm. even, even if there's not confession, this is affected. Yeah. Women, right? Even our young girls are being shaped by right. the sexualized culture. Right, because we're seeing, you know, what our, our culture sees and says is sexy yeah. and ideal. Yeah. And, you know, and if we don't look like that, then we must not be sexy. We must not be desirable. And so so then when your husband comes to you and says, hey, I've been mm. looking at other women and enjoying their bodies, then you're immediate. That's like a affirms your greatest fear. Affirms your greatest fear. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. And so it's, it is really hard, um, to hear, but I think the hope that I would offer is that is exactly what you said. Like, um, I just think of a God as a surgeon 
And if he's going to in any kind of surgery, you know, it has to hurt a little bit before it can heal. And yeah. that's exactly what you said. And I think that that's the best way to put it. Like it, it's going to hurt, um, but there is hope for healing yeah. in it. And I think that that's something that we had never heard. And yeah, so true. in that moment when, when we were in that state of confession um, and hurt, we, we, we kind of stuck there for a while because we didn't know that there right. was hope. We didn't know what the next step was to healing. Yeah. So I think, um, I think you, I think everybody else would be starting, you know, yeah. in a much better spot, yeah. having that hope along with, you know, the hurt yeah. in those moments. That's good. And, and yeah. And, and, as hard as it's going to be, know that when he, if he's if he's coming to you, it, it's actually because he is seeking, yeah, to make things right. Right, he's, he's actually seeking to bring healing. And so the alternative, it, it's it's sort of like knowing you've got a tumor, and it's mista- it's it's taken over and it's going to destroy you. But well, you don't want to hurt their feelings, so you're just going to ignore it, and you know it's going to get, like that's unwise. It's yeah. go ahead and give them the news. And let's let's deal with it together because this is a this is a, a, a problem that can destroy marriages. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you don't always you don't always feel like it it will because I know that our culture, our society says, you know, like you've talked about earlier, like it's okay right. and it's fine, and it's just it's my thing, and it and yeah. it's not. But but it it it's not it just your thing. We yeah, hear that a lot what's it hurting? Me, yeah. 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 This is this is my thing that I do, and that's fine. But, but it's really it's really not. And so, um, I think that uh, acknowledging that and understanding that it, it is affecting your relationship because it's ultimately bonding you closer and closer to those images and that that act and driving a wedge between you and your spouse. And, and the further that gets, you know, like like, then we see a lot of, that's where we see the sexless marriages. That's right. That's where we see, you know, couples that have gone two, three years. It's amazing. With no sex. Yeah. We've got a pretty small sample size. We've done a lot of premarital. We've got a pretty small sample size of marital counseling. And I've been amazed at, at how often we've heard that couples go months, and we've heard on more than one occasion it's been two-plus years that they haven't had sex. That, I mean, I'll just read a verse from uh, First You get cranky when it's been like <laughs> a few days. <laughs> That's a joke. I don't think I want to see you after... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, that's where you get a lot of these. I mean, and and honestly, what happens then is is it's not it's working where they're not, you know, going together, and so they're resolving to well, this is just what we got to do, right? And so I'll let him do his yeah. thing, and well, she's not going to give it to, so I'll, I'll just I'll I'll take care of myself. You know, I, we hear that a lot. Well, yeah. I'm just taking care of myself, and well, right. he's just taking care. You know, and, and then that it, happens, and then so he's taking care of himself, and she's just letting him. But then somebody at work mm-hmm. or in another 
you know, context or whatever actually gives her some Tension. affirmation yeah. and some attention. And then it's appealing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So this is not just like, it's not just us saying, Hey, you know, um, it's more fun if you like, it's just a, this is a biblical instruction. So, um, first Corinthians chapter seven says, um, because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights. That's sex, if you don't know. And likewise, the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband not a, does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Don't deprive one another. Do not do it. Do not deprive one another. Very explicit. Except, here's, the, here's what Paul gives us permission to take a pause from sex. By agreement, for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come back together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So, so Paul says, yeah, it's fine to take a break, but it should be for prayer. And if it's not for prayer, you should be regularly coming together. Um, and so, again, this is not just optional. Like this is part of sexual health. And and again, and people want to talk about how many times and, and, and that's all pretty personal subjective and, and it's not the point is like you should be getting your needs met in marriage. And and anyway, and that's where the actual power to heal, those things have to happen together. And but it it's important to to deal with both. It's important to talk about the sin. And it is important to, you know, in this confession, don't just say that like men come ready to say, I, I'm giving up my rights to these things, to whatever extent I need to make you comfortable and to make me pure. You know, Jesus says it's better to enter into heaven, you know, without one of your eyes, you know, to gouge that thing out and, and rather than to, for it to lead, you know, lead you and your whole body to suffer and, and end up in hell. And so, you know, there's going to be things you're going you're gonna to have to give up and men you're going to need to come in ready with that and, and be honest about where your struggles are. If it's, if it's, uh, you know, the TV and cable, and if it's HBO that you're watching, you know, without your wife and whatever, that's your. Pro- then you need to give that up. If it's you know, if it's uh, social media, if it's Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, film, whatever, you need to you need to give that up. So you need to be able to have those conversations. If it's being home alone on a certain night, you need to you need to give that up. Like your rights, your your technology, your comfort don't trump your holiness. They don't. And so you have, you have to, that was like, I had to be honest. Okay, this is, these are the ways that I struggle. And so uh, there were seasons where I wasn't left alone. And, that, and that, that, that was a, I don't know, I don't know how long that season was, but um, because that was whenever, I, that, was, that was part of what was wired together too, is whenever I was left alone, that's whenever I did those things. And so when I was left alone, it's like a trigger. We talk about that with alcoholics and other addicts. They have triggers. Well, the same is true of this, this issue. So you have to be honest about those things and, and get some good, there, there are tools out there that help that you can't rely on them fully. There's always ways around things, but they help a lot to cut off the source. And so things like um, there's accountability software called Accountable to You, um, where you know you you can send uh, your spouse should be the one you're accountable to. That was another that was a game changer for for me to not just have an accountability partner that was a man that what you know that's good. But when you were the ones getting the when you were the one getting the report, that changed it for me. Like in a big way, like oh, if I do this, she will know. It won't just be an awkward conversation where I got to confess to a dude and we pray for one another. It'll be you no, know, you, you. And that was a game changer for me. So accountable to you, 
Um, oh, I'm trying to think of some of the others. I think there's like Triple X Church uh, ha- has some uh, some on there. Uh, what was the What was the other one we used to use? Um, Covenant, Covenant Eyes. Eyes yeah, yeah. Um, all of those are good. Devi- those are good software things for your whole family. Honestly, you can filter things. You can block out certain sites, um, and you can send. You can get reports of what every device has been on. So you need to come ready to to surrender those things, men, and be honest and talk about. It. So our encouragement is to spend time confessing and work on your defense this week. Make up your plan for your defense next week. We're going to talk about offense and that's the fun part, but there's going to be some rawness. It's going to be difficult to get to the offense for a, for a minute. Cause there's going to be some rawness and some pain there, um, in this confession. Yeah. Um, but take that as a, you know, take that as a little bit of encouragement ladies, uh, that your husband wants a good marriage, Yeah, you know, and that he doesn't want, he doesn't want this driving you guys, apart anymore he wants you guys to have a good and healthy marriage and it can happen yeah that's what that's what we want to scream is it it can you can actually have a healthy marriage you can have a healthy sex life it can be good and it can and it can have the same powerful effect on your marriage in in this positive way that that it's messed up you know life's in a negative way so we're going to redeem this good gift from god we're going to try to redeem it Mm mm-hmm um, and, and we hope that, you, that people can learn from our story. And, and so we're, we're eager to, to kind of get into that part, but I think you got to sit here for a minute. Um, you got to, you got to do the confession. You got to build the defense, put up the wall, spend the, t- spend some time this week. Okay. What are, what are the ways we're going to put up the wall? Um, take the Bible says, don't make any provision for the flesh. Okay. What, what do we need to take away and have those hard conversations and women, you know, there's going to be probably on the other side of this, there'll be some things that women are going to need to confess where they, you know, a lot of times we find that women, because they don't feel secure, they don't feel desirable. They, they're not comfortable in their own skin. So they're not offering themselves to their, to their husbands. And yeah. we'll talk about that next week a right. lot, Right. but you know, so there may be some confession that needs that. And there may be women that are addicted to porn. I, I again, I don't, we're, right. we're, we're, we're majoring there on it being a man issue, but we understand that it's not. So there may be some confession that needs to happen on the other side. Mm-hmm. And, and there may be, you know, women that have said, well, I've taken my own needs in, yeah. in my own hands. And, and so there may need to be confession on, on both sides of this deal. So right. we don't want to just expect it to be men, you know, going to their wives with confession. It, it may need to go both ways. And, and that's, that's the encouragement. Hiding it will not lead to healing. No. So... Do the hard work. Um, come clean, man up. I got your back. Uh, Any way I can help you? Uh, if if you're not local, it is up on the email. Uh, we we care a lot about this. Um, we feel like the Lord brought us up, brought us through this to to share and help with others. And so we'll do all we can. But but you're gonna have to do the work. You have to talk to each other, confess. So God be with you. Um, be brave. Dig in. Um, take the scripture. If you don't take our word for it, take the scripture's word for it. Um, and uh, join us again uh, for the next episode, and we'll we'll talk about the other side of it, and it'll be a lot more fun. Yeah, this one's a sucky. This is a sucky podcast. Yeah. Next week's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Again, info at Fermented Faith. Uh, go ahead and throw us your questions about just anything in general regarding this topic. Uh, but anything we said this week, you want clarity on? Uh, we'll we'll gladly um, you know revisit it next week. But um, Otherwise, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time.